Welcome. You're listening to the Beaver Dam Baptist Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. If you would like more information about Beaver Dam Baptist Church or have questions about today's message, please visit us on the internet at www.bdbc.org. We started a series last week on the church and we began with the very basics about the church and that is our need to attend church and to do so faithfully. It sounds like a rather obvious thing to uh, consider. In fact, it sounds like something we shouldn't even have to consider at all. It sounds like such a basic element that there ought to never be a sermon preached in a church on the need to, to attend church. But strangely, we have to because, again, there are so many who uh, not only declare that they have no interest in the church, although they profess to be a believer, but many others who do so by not attending. That is, their prolonged absence declares their disinterest in church, whether they so say that with words or not. But we said last week that that is just the bare minimum. That's the starting point. The truth is there ought to be the desire in genuine believers to go much more beyond simply attending church on a regular basis. And what we ought to desire as believers, what we ought to understand as a privilege, what we ought to have joy in are the very things that we are going to talk about over the next three weeks. So today, with a similar title as from last week, although probably a little bit harder to digest, we are going to talk today about the fact that we ought to be not only glad to go to church, but today glad to serve in church. That's the next step, not just attend, but to serve the Lord through his local church. Now, hopefully you can readily see the connection between attendance and service. That is, you cannot serve in the church unless you are faithfully attending church. And the reason so many people do not serve in the church is because they're not there enough to serve in the church. And they don't want to make that commitment to be there faithfully so that they can serve regularly. But we as believers ought to be not only glad to come to church, but we ought to be glad to come to church faithfully enough that there is an area of service for us within the body of Christ. Now, had I decided to go with a single verse of text again this morning, I certainly could have appealed to Psalm 100 and verse 2. You know that verse because we sang it as the first song in our service today. That psalm says in verse 2, "'Serve the Lord with gladness.'" And of course, the next phrase is, enter his courts with praise. Serving the Lord with gladness summarizes our topic this morning. But rather than use that, I'm going to look at some other verses to make my point. However, that little phrase from Psalm 100 and verse 2, which is easy to memorize and to hide in our hearts and minds, we ought to do just that. Because that is a summary of what we're talking about today. Serve the Lord with gladness. Now, just to be clear, I am talking about service within the body of Christ. I recognize that there are other ways to serve. I fully realize that we ought to be serving our community, and many of you do that very well. 
I realize that we ought to be willing to serve our country. We ought to be willing to serve our families. I realize there are countless nonprofit organizations that do all kinds of good things in our community and in our country that are worthy of our volunteer hours, and there's nothing wrong with doing that. But what I'm talking about specifically is our service within the body of Christ. I'm talking about Christians serving the Lord through his church. And so we're going to do that from Galatians chapter 5 this morning, verses 13 through 15. But as you're turning there, I want to say before I even begin that we do in fact have a lot of faithful people who are not only attending church, but they are serving within this church. And to those I want to say before we get into this, I simply want to say thank you because we have many people that serve. In fact, Scott did a, did a search uh, late last year trying to determine all of the people that serve our church in any capacity. And he came up with approximately 275 names of people that serve in this church. And that doesn't even include those people who serve, well, it does include them, but it doesn't, it doesn't count people who serve in multiple ways. And we know that many people do just that. So to be very clear, I want to say thank you to all of our volunteers for what you do to keep this church going. My intent today is not to try to get you to sign on to doing something else. My intent is for everyone to serve and to do so with gladness because that's the natural response in gratitude for our salvation in Christ. So let's look at Galatians chapter 5 as we think about our need to be glad to serve. Galatians 5 verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And here's the phrase. But through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you, divide, if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So I want to say four things this morning about our need to be glad to serve. First, I want to say that service is universal. By that I mean it is something for every believer within the body of Christ. Even as we said last week that everybody who is physically able, who names the name of Christ, ought to be faithfully attending church, so the same thing holds with service. Everyone who names the name of Christ, who is physically able, ought to be serving the Lord in his church in some capacity. Service is not a nice addition later on in life. Service is not something for the mature believer only. Serving the Lord is for all believers within the body of Christ. Now, the main issue in this letter of Galatians that Paul is writing to this region is what we might call legalism. And we defined legalism last week as adding anything to salvation. And so I said, our attendance does not save us. Likewise, our service does not save us. That would be legalism. But the churches to whom Paul is writing here were indeed, in some cases, adding something to salvation. They were adding the Jewish customs. That is, they were saying to new converts to Christ, it's all right that you believe in Jesus, but you also must do 
the things that Jews have traditionally done. And primarily that was the Sabbath regulations, the keeping of the Mosaic law, and of course, circumcision. And so they were telling these new converts that they must do these things as well in order to be right with God. And you might also know that this was an ongoing issue in the early church. In fact, if you go to Acts chapter 15, there is a council held. It's called the Jerusalem Council, where they came up with the definitive answer and said, no, no, you don't have to do these things in order to accept Christ. But even after that, in Acts 15, it was still an ongoing issue. And so by way of contrast, in this particular chapter of Galatians, Paul is talking about not legalism, but he's talking about our freedom in Christ. In fact, you still have your Bibles open, so look at verse 1 of chapter 5. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So he is fighting against that legalism, and now he's talking about freedom in Christ. Now, the problem with something like this is you can always go to the opposite extreme. So the opposite extreme of legalism is liberty or license. That is the the understanding that, well, if we're saved by grace through faith without any mixture of works, then it doesn't matter what I do. And in fact, I can do whatever I want to do because I'm forgiven and set free. Now, I hope you understand that is not what Paul is talking about here. In fact, he says very clearly elsewhere, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? That is, if we're saved by grace, shouldn't we sin all the more so that we can receive all the more grace? And Paul says to an, in answer to his own question, God forbid, how can we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? So by the time we get to the verses we're reading this morning, he is making the case that our freedom in Christ should lead us not to license, not to doing anything we want to do, but our freedom in Christ should lead us to serve one another through or in love. And like so many other things, this is a direct command And this command is directed to all believers. So service is universal. Now, if you know anything or if you follow in any way college football, you know very recently. I know what you're thinking. (laughs) You're thinking he's about to talk to us about the fact that Georgia, after 41 years, finally won a national championship this past week. That is not what I intended to talk about. Frankly, I don't think bragging about a national championship, even after 41 years, has any place in a sermon, especially a sermon delivered to a largely the fan base of another team. So that is not what I was going to talk about. You brought that up, not me. What I was going to say is if you know anything about college football, you know that recently there has been introduced something called the transfer portal. The transfer portal gives college athletes the opportunity to move from one team to another without losing any playing time. That is, they they don't have to sit down a year. One time, they can transfer to another team. So I looked it up this past week. The number has probably grown since then, but there's approximately 1,400 college football division one, the FBS level, that is the highest level of college football. There's about 1,400 athletes in the transfer portal right now. That breaks down, there's 130 FBS college football teams, so that breaks down to approximately 11 football players per team that are in the transfer portal trying to get to another team. Now the question is why? Why are there so many athletes wanting to move from one team to another? And certainly there are many reasons for this, but ultimately the biggest reason must be playing time. That is, they're not getting enough playing time at the school they're currently at, 
and therefore they want to transfer to another school where they hope they will get more playing time. You see, these college athletes do not want to stand on the sidelines. They didn't come to college to, to just attend football games. They want to play. Now, my point is this. Every Christian should feel the same way about being involved in the local church. We should not be content merely to attend. We should desire to serve, to get in on the action. Now, I recognize the analogy breaks down, and then I'm not encouraging you to transfer churches so that you can serve. There's enough service opportunities here and in every church for you to get involved in some way in the local church and get off of the sidelines. And the Bible is very clear that service is universal among believers, not only because it's commanded. It's commanded here in our text and several other places, but also because you are gifted. Paul spoke about spiritual gifts several times. But in his most extensive treatment of it, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says this, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, he goes on in that text to list some of the spiritual gifts, and that's what often gets our focus. That is, we, 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 we want to talk about the more prominent spiritual gifts and wish we had those. Or we want to take a spiritual gift survey and figure out what spiritual gift we do have. So the various spiritual gifts tend to get our focus, but that's not my focus this morning. I want to highlight two things from that verse. First of all, he says at the beginning, to each is given. And that makes my point, that each person is given, every believer is gifted by God for service in the church. Which means if you're not using your gifts, then they are going to waste. And God did not gift you so that you could waste that gift. He gifted you so that you could use it. And how does he say we are to use it? Well, the last of that verse says, for the common good. Again, he's writing to a church, that is the context, so spiritual gifts are given to every believer to be used in the context of the local church for the good of all within that church. Spiritual gifts are not a matter of personal pride. They are not given to us for individual glory. They are to be exercised for the good of all. And therefore, as we come together as a body, each person gifted by God but gifted differently but all of those gifts given for the common good for the entire church. So I hope you're on board with me so far that the Bible is very clear that every believer should be serving the Lord through the local church. You don't have to do everything. Nobody's asking you to do everything, but you ought to be doing something. So service is universal. Secondly, we notice back in Galatians chapter 5 that service is loving, that we are to do this through love. Now, clearly here, we are talking about our expressing our love to one another through service. But don't miss the foundation. We are actually expressing our love for God by lovingly serving one another. Yes, the expression, see, sometimes it's hard to express our love to God. Now, we do express our love to God through praise and worship. We express our love to God through obedience. But we also express our love to God by lovingly serving one another. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says it very clearly. Your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving one another. The writer of Hebrews says you are expressing your love to God by lovingly serving one another. And so hopefully you see that connection. 
You know, when we, when we try to recruit someone to serve, there's all kinds of service opportunities, as I've said, and therefore at times we have to recruit. That is, we have to ask people if they'd be willing to serve in some area of our church. Sometimes we get this famous answer in Baptist life. Well, if you can't get anyone else to do it, I guess I can. Now, does that sound like lovingly serving one another in the body of Christ? No, of course not. When people sign up with that approach, they usually don't last. They certainly don't have any joy in their service, and sometimes they even complain throughout it. Now, let me be clear again. It is okay for you to say no. You do not have to say yes to every opportunity that comes your way, even in the church. You don't have to do everything. But there are some things that you ought to be doing. And that is why it is essential that we know how we are gifted, what things we are passionate about, so that we can plug into service in the right places. And when we are in the right places of service, then we will do it gladly, we will have joy, and we will be much more effective throughout the process because we are using the gifts God has given us in lovingly serving one another. Now, if you've been reading the Bible through with us, Scott mentioned this earlier in his prayer, and if you're not, just join with us. I mean, we're towards the end of Genesis, but that's okay. Reading a large part of the Bible is better than reading none of it at all. So just jump in with us. You don't have to catch up. Just jump in with us. But if you've been reading, you know that we've been uh, reading through Genesis. And part of that story is the story of Jacob and his two wives, the sisters, Leah and Rachel. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole two wives thing this morning. That's not my point. We can talk about that some other time. But Jacob marries his, the two sisters, Leah and Rachel. He works seven years. He serves seven years uh, under Laban, the father of these two girls. And he wants to marry Rachel, the younger of the two. That's the one he loves. And that's the one he had agreed to serve for. But after the seven years of service, Laban tricks him and gives him Leah in marriage instead of Rachel, the one he wanted. And, of course, Jacob is upset about it. And Laban says, well, if you'll serve me another seven years, then I'll give you Rachel as well. And that's what he does. Now, he doesn't have to wait those seven years. He gets Rachel after, after a week. But he has to serve another seven years for Rachel. And this is my point. At the end of those seven years, 14 now, really. But at the end of those years, the Bible says this. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed to him but a few days because of the love that he had for her. Do you hear that? Love had transformed duty into delight. Love had transformed service into not just a discipline, but a glad response. They seemed like just a few days because of the love that he had for her. So when we love God, we desire to serve him. And when we love others, we can gladly serve the Lord. In fact, our text here says that love your neighbor sums up the whole of the law. Now, that's a powerful statement, that this one thing could really summarize all of our obedience. That's how powerful and important this is. The third thing I want you to see about our service to the local church is that service is to be pleasing. Hebrews 13 and verse 17 says very plainly that our good works are pleasing to God. Now, again, this is not legalism. You don't gain your salvation through your service to God or your service to others. 
But again, that does not negate the fact that when we live in obedience to God, God is pleased and serving him is a matter of obedience. Now, I also need you to understand that neither is this a bargaining tool. This is something that we often think that we don't express. And sometimes you see this manifested when someone doesn't get what they want and they feel like they've been faithfully serving God. So this is not a bargaining tool. This is not, I will gladly serve if you will give me what I want. And what I want is sometimes health or wealth or some other thing. And then when God doesn't deliver that and we say, but I've been faithfully serving you, why didn't I get what I want? That shows that we were doing it for wrong motives. So we are not bargaining with God. We are certainly not obligating God to do anything on our behalf. We are simply being obedient to God. And so it goes without saying that service is pleasing to the ones we serve, at least generally speaking. Yes, there are a few cantankerous people. I bet you didn't think you'd hear the word cantankerous twice in the same service. Scott used it in his prayer. But there are a few cantankerous people. Now you've heard it four times. There are a few people like this that's difficult to serve because it's never good enough for them. They're just going to complain. They're going to criticize. Whatever you try to do is just not going to be good enough. And of course, it's going to wear thin on you, making it all the more difficult to serve with gladness. And that's when we really have to struggle to serve with gladness, when we have to serve these kinds of folks. But more often than not, generally speaking, people will respond favorably to our service. That is, they will be pleased by what we do on their behalf. Now, some of you are thinking, I'm certainly correct on that point. If people would serve you, then you would be pleased. If they would just do what you expect and come alongside you and serve you the way you want, then you would be pleased. You see, the problem with a sermon like this or a topic like this is that people sit back and they say, you're exactly right. People are supposed to be serving me, but they don't seem to be doing it, at least not to the level I desire. We've recently experienced in our country, in our, in our economy, a level of service that has gone down. We know that businesses are struggling to find enough capable workers, and therefore when we go out to a retail establishment or to a restaurant, sometimes we're not getting the service that we're used to. We're having to wait longer than we used to wait. We're not getting the attention that we used to get. And so we get a little frustrated by that, especially when they sometimes expect the same level of tip when they're not giving the same level of service. And the problem with all of that is our mentality. That is, we bring that mentality over into the church because we've been conditioned to being served by others. We have a hard time hearing a sermon like this about our need to serve other people because our economy is largely service-oriented. People don't wash their cars anymore. I mean, my dad always washed the car, but now we take it to someone else to wash. Ladies, you don't, you don't do your own nails anymore. You go somewhere else and have someone else do your nails. We don't cook like we used to. We go out to eat. I mean, we go out to eat more in a year than I probably did my entire childhood growing up because that's just the way it is nowadays. We, we have enough money or we don't have enough time or a combination thereof. And so we go out to eat instead of cooking for ourselves. And so the more and more we are paying others to serve us, the harder it is to come into the church and hear the exact opposite. Instead of switching, many simply come into the church with the same mentality. Joining a church that they hope is going to meet their needs. 
a church that will minister to them in whatever situation in life they find themselves. And then when that church doesn't meet their needs, they enter the church transfer portal. I know it doesn't exist, but it happens all the time. They say, I'm just going to go to another church. And so they go down to the road to another church, hoping that that church is going to meet their needs. Very few people come into a church with the mentality of, I've got some gifts. And I don't mean that in a proud way. I mean just acknowledging that they're gifted by the Lord. Very few people come into a church saying, I wonder if this is a church where I can exercise my gifts for the common good. That's really not the way people think. But the truth is, God has placed every believer in a particular local body of of believers for the purpose of the common good. And ultimately, this pleases not only God and others, but it pleases us, the one who is serving. Now, again, that's not our motive. I don't serve in order to find myself pleasing. It's simply a byproduct that I don't mind acknowledging. I mean, it does make us feel good to be needed, to contribute something to the common good, or to have our gifts and abilities used for the good of others. There is pleasure not in avoiding service, but there is pleasure in serving, since that's what we were created and recreated to do. Many of you know the famous verses in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and not, not, that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But fewer know the verse that immediately follows that. Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God ordained beforehand that we should walk in them. Again, we're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. That is, our works, our service do not save us, but when we are saved, God has prepared service for us, and he desires for us to walk in it. And walk means to conduct our lives, meaning this is not a one-time thing. This This is simply part and parcel of our lives. And when we do what we are created to do, it brings us pleasure even as it does to others and to God himself. Furthermore, it follows the example of Jesus. We said this last week. Why should we attend church? One of the reasons was because that's what Jesus did. As was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath. Well, we could say the same thing about service in the church. Jesus himself said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. There was another occasion where he demonstrated this. You remember the story where he's washing the feet of the disciples one by one. He's going around the table doing a menial task of washing their feet. And then he says, go and do likewise. Some churches take that to mean that we are to literally wash one another's feet. And so they have foot washing services. But we don't take it that way. We take it to mean Jesus was talking about humble service. And so when he said, go and do likewise, he was talking about the fact that we are to serve one another. There was another occasion where his disciples were debating among themselves as to who was the greatest in the kingdom. Can you imagine that? I mean, being with Jesus and you're debating which one of us is the greatest. But Jesus knew what they were talking about. And so he rebuked them and he says, the greatest one among you is the one who serves. And then he concluded by saying, I am among you as one who serves. Again, I realize this is the exact opposite of what we hear all week long. Because all week long, especially in the business world, one measure of your success is how many people you have working for you. How many people you have serving you. 
And when we come to the church, it's the exact opposite. In the kingdom of God, we are to serve one another. Well, the last thing I wanna share with you is that serving is rewarding. Now again, this is not to be our motivation, but if the Bible says we're gonna be rewarded for our service, then I have no problem acknowledging that we can expect that reward. Paul says very clearly in the letter to Corinth that if our work survives the test before the Lord, then we will receive a reward. What reward that is, I don't know all the details. I know, of course, in eternity with God, salvation itself is more than enough reward. But there are going to be rewards for our serving the king. I've just finished a book entitled Practicing Affirmation. It was suggested to me by Aaron. So, Aaron, I'm affirming your suggestion. I'm applying the book, and I'm affirming your suggestion in that book. It talks about the power of words and affirming action and even states that serving one another is a form of affirmation. I mean, we all like to hear words like, good job, well done. Words like these spur us on to greater service. And the lack of hearing these things are often the reason that people quit. Countless church members have stopped serving throughout the year, throughout the years. I don't mean anything in particular. I'm just talking generally. But countless church members have stopped their service because they didn't get enough recognition or the, desire, or the recognition that they expected. Now, that's not the right approach either. But we can trust that God sees what we do, and that should be enough. Jesus told a parable about some servants who were working for their master, and they were, they were investing his resources. And when the master came back, they gave an accounting of what they had done. And all of the good servants, the punchline or the ending of the parable for that servant was this phrase, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, can you imagine hearing that from our God? That one day when you and I come to the end of our lives or when Jesus comes to take us home, that he looks at us and he says to us, that's the point of the parable, that he looks at us and he says to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Don't you think hearing those words from our God would overcome all of the suffering, all of the heartache, all of the frustration, all of the disappointment, all of the obstacles that we had to face in serving through the church, hearing those words would make all of those things worthwhile. I want to encourage you to keep the end in mind. Keep your eye on the prize. There is a day of reward coming that I can't even begin to describe. Now, again, my guess is that I've not really said anything this morning that you disagree with. Deep down, you know that every Christian ought to be not just faithfully attending church, but you know that every Christian ought to be serving the Lord in some way. And so my first question is, the most basic question is, are you a Christian? Are you a genuine believer? My second question then is, if the answer to that is yes, and again, I, 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 don't, under, I don't expect an unbeliever to attend church or serve in the church. But if you are a believer, then my second question is, in what way are you serving the Lord through his church? What are your gifts? What are your passions? What is it that you desire to do? You don't have to do everything, but you ought to be doing something. And so I want to encourage you to think about and pray about 
where you can serve the Lord in his church. I saw a study just this morning that said Americans volunteering their time to religious organizations has hit an all-time low. Now, I realize that some of that's the result of COVID, but not all of it. And so we as believers ought to be serving the Lord. Now, there are others, no doubt, who have been serving the Lord, but if I could just be honest, frankly, you're getting tired of it. That's okay to admit. You've been doing it for a very long time, and you've not seen the fruit that you desired, and you're wondering if you should give it up. At the very least, you are no longer serving with gladness. You're still serving because you made a commitment, because you are faithful to your word, because you know it's an obligation, so you're still serving. But the fact might be that you're not serving with joy any longer. For you, I'm asking if you will pray that God would restore your perspective, reminding you that your service is ultimately to him. And as a result, even if we do not see the fruit, even if we do not get the accolades from other people, even if we do not get the recognition that we think we deserve, we pray that God would remind us that our service is ultimately to him, and he sees all, and he will reward in due time. We are called to serve the Lord first and to do that through his church. And therefore, we ought to be able to do it with gladness, gratitude that we are part of the kingdom of God, regardless of the response of others. My prayer is that God would renew your spirit, that he would revive your joy and allow you to serve him once again with gladness. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege we have of serving you. I pray that you'd forgive us for the times when we counted a a duty, when we wonder whether we should keep on going, when we get frustrated and discouraged by the lack of response or the lack of recognition, when we want our name glorified rather than yours. I pray that you would renew our perspective this morning and that our eyes would turn to you and we would see that you have been so gracious in saving us and out of gratitude we are then to gladly serve you and you see all and in time you will reward us help us to strive to so live our lives that we may one day hear well done good and faithful servant enter into the joy of your master we pray in jesus name Amen. Let's stand and sing and you respond.